0: In Havana, I took a little risk. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dead get me out of this. Ha! Welcome, everyone, to episode 58 of the Matt Jones podcast. I am coming here live from beautiful the beautiful studios at my new television show, Hey Kentucky, in Lexington. I'm sitting in this green screen studio where we're beginning in a week and a half. My local television career as I try to become a Lexington Jeff Picoro begins uh, right here. Today's show is going to be exciting. We've got Jonathan Martin of the New York Times is going to join me in the second half to talk about the presidential race as it continues to get crazier with eight weeks to go. And joining me right now... Is the voice one of the voices of the UK Wildcats and the Cincinnati Reds, Jeff Picoro? Jeff, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Hey, before we start, eight weeks to go. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy.
0: Although I feel like it's been going so long that it's time for it to end. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I hear you. when you when on one level, in eight weeks, we might have Donald Trump as the president of the United States, which is Crazy. But on the other hand, it feels like this race has been going for six
1: years. And so it's. So- it, this is the craziest I've ever. Rem- I'm a little bit older than you, and I've never seen a race. And look, I don't care Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever, where two politicians or more. And I don't want to say hated. I don't think that's the word. But <laughs> I think you could say and I to, <laughs> Yeah, you could say hate. Hate, distrust. It's amazing to me that we've got to this point. In our electoral process, it's crazy.
0: It is. It is absolutely, uh, absolutely nuts. This edition, by the way, of the Matt Jones podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Do you play fantasy football, Jeff? Is that something you do?
1: You know, I don't, only because of the ties I have with the University of Kentucky. Totally makes sense. Well, but FanDuel. <laughs> if you go to
0: FanDuel.com right now, you can do the NFL fantasy football. It's going on uh, go. right right there in, in, in your and <laughs> if you use the promo code Jones for the podcast, it's Jones. They'll give you five free entries at FanDuel.com. So again, FanDuel.com, the promo code is Jones. You can play each week, a different one. So, like, if you're like me wow. and your fantasy team stinks, the next week you can pick a new <laughs> one, and you go to FanDuel.com. The promo code again is Jones. You get a free five free entries, and you can win. This week, they have a million dollar contest that you can play wow. in. FanDuel.com promo code Jones. Go play and uh, support the podcast while you're doing it. Now, Jeff. I wanted to have you on. We had you once before, and I thought you did an excellent job. And you've got to be there's got to be a little misery for you. You follow two teams. You know, you're the voice you do, the Reds and Kentucky football, and both are struggling. Is that fair to say?
1: No, I think that's fair to say. At least, though, with the Reds, I, I see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel because of the youth that they have. And it's so different in pro ball than college. But, you know, it they're going to get healthy. Homer Bailey's going to be back next year and and you could see this team. Now I'm not going to say that we're going to win the division next year, but they're going to be a lot better and they can be in the wild card race next year. I really think that.
0: Okay, well, I may ask you more about the Reds in a minute, but let's first talk <laughs> uh, let's first yep. talk K- Kentucky. I mean, I I in some ways I feel like I do this every year and maybe it's my own fault, but I felt like this year they really had a shot to be good. I mean, I honestly did think, okay, this, this group can be good. What do you, what do you think has happened? Why are we where we are right now?
1: Well, I think that if Hillary opens her mouth in any of those commercials, she's crazy. She should just let Donald talk and, and then she'll win the election. So, do we really have to talk Kentucky football? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, did you did I, you let me what? ask you this? Did I you agree. have
0: promise at the beginning of the year? I mean, did yeah, you think I, they were yes. going to be good?
1: I, I, you know what? I thought because this is the fourth year, and because they've got better players and they're more athletic, that yeah, I thought that they, I thought that they could be like, I thought they could be like they were the first half of Southern Miss. That's the only half of football they played this year. The next six quarters have been absolutely atrocious football. Well,
0: uh, all right. So you, w- let's talk about why that would happen. Okay, they okay. they did play well in that first half. They looked sharp. The the offense was clicking. How does it go from that to just complete collapse? I mean, that it almost doesn't make
1: yeah. logical sense. Right. It's easy, Matt, to say that interception changed the momentum, and it did because look. You're up 35 to 10. There's 50 seconds left in the hat and you go in the halftime up 35 to 10. The other team is telling their guys, look, we're going to stay within our game and we're going to just try to, you know, get back in the game. But by scoring that touchdown with whatever it was, 30, 40 seconds left in the first half, now – they will get they go into the locker room going, see, if we quit making mistakes, we can score against these guys. We're in this game. And what happened the second half? They said, let's just get one break and then we just play football. And they got that on the interception and they go or the fumble and they go right down the field and score. And Kentucky, for whatever reason, I think those kids in the back of their mind, and, and so much has been made this year by going to a bowl game, right? Everybody said, We gotta go to a bowl game this year. And to do that, you almost have to win that first game because if you win the first game, you know you, you you pretty much got five or six wins in the bucket. Well, now you lose that game, and I think the kids were like, you know, we're in, we're in a little bit of trouble right now. And then you go to Florida and just get absolutely steamrolled. So it's 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 as you said, it's not really logical. But man, they're in a bad place, and they cannot come out and lay an egg Saturday night. Well, that, sure. that
0: that's certainly true. But to even but but even more than that, I mean, all right, so. At one, you know, they score before halftime against Southern yep. Miss, and that was terrible. And then they come out and score on the first drive. But at that point, Jeff, it's still 35-24. And Correct. you're still up 11 with the ball. Like, there's no reason at that point to collapse. It, do you think this team is just sort of – and this program maybe is like just kind of a
1: mentally weak thing? Well, yeah, because I think that you have to, and, and some people, if you've never played sports, you're going to say, what does he talk? You have to learn to win. Uh, you know, and that's why people say, you know, there there are winners and then there are losers and it's a mentality. And you have to think like when you play Alabama or you play Ohio state, they know they can win. You hope you can win. And that's a big difference. Uh, you have to play with confidence, and that's in every sport. You know, a guy goes to the free throw line and he's confident, he's probably going to make it. If he's not, if he's going, oh, my God, if I miss this, we're in trouble, you're not going to do very well. And I think that this team gets very tight. And and again, um, I-, I think the coaches get a little tight, too. Um, you've got a guy that's a first-time head coach. He's never been a head coach before. And I think the other problem is there's not a guy on the staff that's a head, and a head coach in college before. They're all assistants to me you're you, you know you, you're all learning on the same curve does that make sense
0: yeah no i think that's a very fair i think that's a very fair assessment and it's something i've wondered about this team a little bit i mean i look well let me ask you this i people always say they've got a ton of talent ton of uh-huh. talent ton of talent and they're not succeeding so it's got to be coaching blah 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 let's start with this do you believe they have a ton of talent or have we read that wrong I think that they have talent
1: at at certain positions, and they're devoid of talent. And I mean, they're they're really short on talent. Defensive line, great example. Um, they're really short on talent there. Now they've got a couple guys that are really young, but again, they're 18 years old. And you go to Florida, you're playing fifth year seniors. These are guys who are 22, 23 years old. So I think that's a big difference. Your receivers. They're talented, your running backs, they're talented. You know, your defensive backs, they're talented, but you're short in other areas. So yes, they're getting better, Matt, but they're not there yet. Do you when you look
0: at Mark Stoops, do you feel like Well, first of all, you were around the program last year. And and do you think he lost the team at the end of last season? And if if not or if so, where do you think they are this season? I mean, do you get a sense of Is any of this sort of not the team being around the coach and the coach having lost them, or or is it not? You know, I think there was more,
1: not so much the coach losing the team. I think that there was a split. They're going to tell you it's not. But I think there were players, especially on the offensive side, who wanted to be, you know, play with Patrick, and there were guys that wanted to play with Drew last year. And I think that Patrick recognized that, and he did the smart thing, said, look, I'm never going to win over these guys. I graduate. I got another year. I'm going to get out of here and just let Drew take it and you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, and, and I think that happened. So I think it was more of a division w- within players with other personnel than a coach. And there's not a whole heck of a lot a coach can do in that situation because whichever guy you choose – there's guys that are going to like that other guy. That's why I always said a two quarterback system like what they tried to do at Notre Dame, that can't work. You've got to say, here's our quarterback, he's our guy. Yeah. Period.
0: How how do you do you just, what have you seen with Drew Barker? I mean, obviously he only had two completions at Florida, yeah. but is that a, there are some people myself included who felt like the moment he got hit that first time yeah. things kind yeah. of changed. What 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 do you think about Drew? He
1: looked like he played really well against Southern Miss. especially in the first half. I think Drew is a guy that's a little bit of a uh, a, 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 a gambler when he's out there. For instance, on the play where he fumbled in the second half against Southern Miss, he turns and sees that defender there. If he's a senior, he probably just goes down and takes the loss and you go to the next play. Instead of that guy had him dead to rights, instead of trying to make something happen, and then knock the ball away, because that was that point you were just talking about. It's 35-24. We're moving down the field. We're at the 20-yard line. You're thinking, okay, you score, and now it's 41-24, to and now again, Southern Miss goes, dang, now we got another hurdle. But, you know, I think at times she tries to do too much, but I agree with you. The first play, Florida's not a big blitzing team, and Kentucky knows that, and on that first play, they had five guys to block, and then they brought you know, five blockers, and they have four guys rushing. Then they brought that linebacker. He was untouched, and he hit Drew right in the chin. And I think he knocked the you-know-what out of Drew, and that really shook him. And um Do you think maybe he should have come
0: out? Like, was there uh,
1: – I don't know about it concussion. I'm just saying – I don't mean concussion, like,
0: but was it just like he was just maybe should have had taken some time?
1: I, I, I think that it kind of shell-shocked the offensive line a little bit. And it looked like they were like, oh, man. These guys are big, they're fast, and you know what? We can't block them one-on-one. And and that happened the entire game. They couldn't block them one-on-one. Uh, and that's why – so then when you're bringing – you're keeping the tight end in or you're bringing – or you're keeping it back in? so now you're only sending three receivers out. Well, they got six or seven defensive backs, so they're double-teaming everybody. So there's nobody open, and there's nothing you could do. Yeah,
0: no, that's a really good point. All right, so – where do they go from here? I mean, they 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 play New Mexico State this weekend. You know, New Mexico State looks better than they've been, right. but they still they have a terrible defense. Kentucky, right? I have, mean, are a twenty-one point favorite. Yeah, you they, should be they've able to got score. It, they got to win easily. All right. So right. then comes South Carolina, and you've beaten them the last two years. What do you think happens? And if they don't win this time, what does that say?
1: Whew. That's a good question. Look, you're going to get confidence this week, and and that's what this team desperately needs. You've got to have confidence, and and you could put this in any realm, even in, in the political realm. If you're not confident when you're answering questions and stuff, you're going to come off like you're scared. This team has to go out there. They're going to have to run the football. I think that's a big key. They've really got to run the ball because they have to shorten the game. They've got to help that defense a little bit. They've got that defense has got to get off the field on third down. That's really hurting them too. But you get that confidence, Matt, and I think that's what they'll get this week because this game really should be much like the Florida game. If it's if it's not thirty-eight to ten or something like that. Then you're going to say, "Oh, we've got some real problems here at Kentucky." But if it is 38 to 10 or 42 to seven, now you've got that confidence in South Carolina. South Carolina is not a real good football team. Um, if you lose to them, then all bets are off because you know I don't know what happens then.
0: Well, do you think? I mean, let's put it a different way. Do you think this is a good team? I mean, do you think Kentucky? Kentucky?
1: Yes. I still think that they have enough ability at at the at the positions that you have to have to be in every game. Now they're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to do that period. End of story. (laughs) Alabama can turn the ball over four times. You're just not going to beat them. You don't have the talent they do. But that being said, they've got guys at receiver and they've got guys at running back that are big play explosive weapons their return game is really good so they've got that proverbial puncher's chance in a lot of games so i think that they're i think they're good there's no reason this team shouldn't go out last year this year and next year and be a six or seven win team there's no reason for that
0: but they weren't last year correct and it's going to be hard to be that this year and so
1: what was what does that mean so i think you're a mediocre team I mean, I. That, okay, but but I mean, I guess line.
0: what I'm saying, and I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm not trying to say, "Hey, Jeff," but at some point, you know, at some point, you do have to sort of analyze why why right. is this happening? And I and I guess what I would ask you is, why do you think this is happening? I mean, why? Like, take last year, they could have beaten Auburn, they could have beaten right. Florida, Should've. they could have beaten Should've. Louisville, they could have Should've. beaten Vandy. <laughs> so
1: why did that keep happening? I think it's a mentality thing. And again, you, you've got coaches that have been in big-time places that are winners, um, and they've got to bring that mentality to this team. But I think there's too many players, there's too many coaches that when things start to go bad, that they kind of yeah, – I don't want to say shut down, but they kind of everything, – everything kind of shuts down a little bit. And that can't happen, and, and that does with this team for whatever reason. And I I wish I wish I knew how to fix that. I don't.
0: Is Kentucky football like cursed? I mean, is it? You know,
1: I mean, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, I know what you're talking about. And I mean, you look at it, Matt. How does? And again, you don't want to compare them to Louisville because it's apples to oranges to get in to the school Louisville can take players that Kentucky just can't take but well I mean Jeff is that true anymore I mean I I think that was true at one point that they they can
0: take Louisville can take partial qualifiers but they don't I mean they got a handful of those but not a ton right like I'm not sure if that's true anymore
1: well then you know then you definitely have to step it up because you look at the athletes that Louisville's putting on the field and they're SEC players. They're Big Twelve players. So why you know, is that are, though?
0: Where our our recruiting rankings are ahead of them. Like why? Are, how is it the case that I agree with you, by the way, that they have these sort of big time athletes? Why?
1: You, the, you've done everything at Kentucky to be successful. You've redone the stadium. Uh, our stadium is. Let's put it put it bluntly. Our stadium is much better than Louisville Stadium football-wise. Um, our facilities there, the weight room and all that new stuff they build is much better than Louisville's. I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer I mean, that when because- they come out of high
0: school, Jeff, they're not necessarily better athletes. Our guys are ranked just right. as high. Right.
1: So why? Is it a development issue? I think, Matt, that you want to play if, – if I'm coming out of high – and a lot of people said, you know, why did Damian Harris – why did he go to Alabama? Well, that's – I, that, I can understand Why would that. you not go? You know yeah, what I mean? But, why, but,
0: but I'm not worried about the guy that goes to Alabama. I'm sure, worried okay, well, about the fact the that, that the same kid seems to go to Louisville or go to Kentucky and do better at Louisville.
1: Well, let me tell you – Let me or let me ask you this. If Louisville comes to you and Kentucky comes to you in the situation there and now, where would you go if you're well, playing? I mean, I, I would, I would still go to
0: Kentucky, but I can understand why a kid would choose either of them. But Jeff, the point is, they've had right, four years to recruit to guys, I, I, and we have two, and their guys yeah. are developing better than
1: ours. Yeah. Yes. I think I, I can't. I don't know, Matt. I really, really don't because I go to. I thought. Last year, sometimes at practice, they're not as tough as it was when back when I played. But yeah. that's you know that's errors ago, but you know the, and you, you can't hit as much. I, I wish I could answer that. I really don't know. But you're exactly right. You look at the guys that they bring in and the way they develop. You look at the Stein kid. It was the quarterback. Kentucky didn't want him. They didn't even they didn't even recruit him at all. He yeah. wanted to come here. Uh, look at the kid Bolin. Bowen is from Lexington. Wanted to come here, and Kentucky didn't even look at him yet. He goes, you know, there's little instances like that. But man, I wish I could put a finger on it. I I really don't know because if I did, I'd be making a lot of money. Do you? I I think it comes. I really think, Matt, it comes down to what I said about being a head coach and having head coaches on your staff. I mean, you look at a team. Look look at Ohio State, for instance. Like, if something happens to Urban, if he gets sick again, he's got. Uh, four guys who have been head coaches, including Joker Phillips, who they bring in as a you know, offensive uh, quality control guy. You look at Alabama, and again, I'm talking about two of the best schools in the country, but they've got head coaches up and down their you know up and down their staff. Yeah. And it's just different because these guys have been there. They know how to control the clock. They, you don't have to take timeouts for guys that aren't on the field. Why do you come out after a timeout and you have 10 players on the field? on the defensive side, and Coach Stoops has to call a timeout to get the 11th player on the field. Why do they come out for punt team with nine guys out there? You have to take a timeout to get two more guys out there. That shouldn't happen. That can't happen. Yeah. well, And it does at Kentucky.
0: It does, but, I mean, how long did that, does that excuse work? I mean, he's been the head coach for four years.
1: Four years, you're exactly right. Well, I, I think then, and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to say he's a bad coach, a good coach, or whatever, but I think that you have to look at you know what's the alternative yeah and is the alternative paying a guy 12 million dollars not the coach yeah. and then paying a new guy you're going to have to bring the new guy 4 or 5 all right well so talk to me about that talk to debate. me about
0: you jeff macorro because you're a dude mm-hmm. that has opinions that's what i like about you you're not you're not a uh, you're not a wallflower i think it's fair to say so you're in a role where you have to be on the official broadcast of the games is that tough when they're, bad, when they're struggling bad, when they're
1: sure. struggling bad, because I, the things that look, here's the thing. If they're out there trying and they're getting beat, then there's nothing I can say. You're getting beat because the other team's simply better. But when you make mental mistakes and when there's only nine or 10 guys out on the field, those are the things that I can't stand because I wasn't the greatest athlete. You know, I don't and, believe and that. A lot, I and, don't and believe if,
0: that Jeff Picoro.
1: <laughs> Come on. But you can't have that kind of stuff. Those are those are small problems, it seems to most people. But those small problems are also means that there's a bigger problem. Why is that happening? Why do you have to take timeouts? Why do you have to get caught not having the right personnel on the field? Those little things like that are things that bother watch. Watch the games that are on. watch tomorrow night's game. Cincinnati and Houston. And, and you're going to see just they're going to be running up and down the field on both sides. And, and then I go back, why can't we do that? Do you, why did they only – I mean, you could take me or you, Matt, at our age, and we could complete two passes in a game. Well, I hope so. Although, and Drew I, Barker's a lot better than me and you, yeah. you know, and he only completed two. Why? How has that happened? Do you get –
0: like, let's say you see something that is a huge mistake, or let's see, say you see the coach make a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like on the official broadcast you can call that
1: out? a great example was it Vanderbilt was it last year when yes. they went fourth down and you go for it and I'm going oh my god I cannot believe he's actually going to do this because you could have played Vanderbilt a hundred times and they're going to beat you one time and that was the one time because you gave them the ball at the 50-yard line you you know you got twice what you intercepted in the end zone you did this you did that so yeah when that's a situation like I'm like I, what I say is I don't know if I'd have done that. That's the way I put it. I'm never going to call out the coach. Yeah. But, I, you know, like on that fourth down, I'm like, I don't know about this, guys. With their offense, I would have punted the ball down to the 10-yard line and make them go 90 yards to score. Yeah. You don't give them half the field.
0: Hey, I hate to interrupt, but I want to tell you about a new advertiser that I'm excited about. We've never done this one before, and it's a place for you to go. It is a vacation from Elite Island Resorts. It's an amazing getaway at a crazy good price. The Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Now, think about that. Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. $99 a person a night. All-inclusive, adults-only holiday get- getaway on a white sandy beach. Now, think about that. No offense to kids, but when you go to a beach, don't you want to kind of be adults-only and, like, be able to relax, et cetera? Adults-only, all-inclusive. Everything is included. Meals, snacks alcohol, resort activities, everything. They've got five restaurants. they got a spa, pools, windsurfing, whatever. And if you're thinking about having a wedding, you can do that there as well, and it can have the same deal. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com, all right? Pineapplebeachclub.com. It's in Antigua, and the number is 800-772-8711. 800-772-8711. So right now, this offer expires soon. Pineapple Beach Club, 800-772-8711, less than $100 a night, ages 16 and up. All adults, you don't want to miss the offer, pineapplebeachclub.com. Will we look back at that game as sort of a turning point game, that Vanderbilt game?
1: To me it is. To me it is, yes, because now – You've got to overcome that somehow this year because people go back to that game. You, you know, everybody says you lost to Vanderbilt. How did you lose? Well, you went for it on fourth down, and then on the very next play, they play the naked end. Remember? Yeah. Stand by the re- sideline. You got to see that. And they as a defender, it. I've yeah. got to know there's one tight end, there's two backs. Where's the other receiver? You yeah. have to see that. And they didn't. Yeah. No. And they didn't. And the guy walks into the end zone. That can't, those, those things don't happen to good teams. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. The uh... he, I, 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 Mark might be the guy, you know, he might be the guy. I don't know. At this point, it hasn't happened yet. So back to your question, is it the, is it the players? Why do they develop again? And that's a question that would be love to sit down and talk to him in this form and ask him those that same question. I would too, you know?
0: but that's going to be that's, that's be a <laughs> tough spot for him. Last question. So you think the Reds will be good eventually? Like like they're playing pretty well since the All-Star break.
1: I think with the Reds, it's been, you know, this has been a rough season injury-wise, and, and, and I know you can't use that as a crutch. But next year they get all these guys back. You know, Cozart's going to play the entire year. Bailey's going to be back in your starting rotation. You've got Lorenzen. You've got Iglesias. I really like this Cuban kid that they just signed. So, yeah, they're they're building some depth. They've got some nice depth in the minor league system that's, uh, you know, a couple of years away. So I, I think that what they did is they said, look, we're going to lose. We know we're going to lose. So we're going to trade, trade Jay. We're going to trade some of our high price guys, Quato and Leak and those guys. And we're going to stock up on youngsters. And, you know, we're going to bite the bullet for a year or two. And, fans, we hope you, you know, understand. But we're going to get better. And they're going to be – if they play like this next year, you know, you're looking at a team that's going to win 86, 87, 88 games. So you know, that's that's a winning season.
0: All right. Well, Jeff Picoro, uh, are you still mowing your grass? If so, I'll tell my friend's wife to be watching for you. For, as I've said I on the podcast I before, I get a text message every time Jeff Picoro's mowing his grass. He's very excited.
1: I actually mowed it yesterday, so.
0: Well, I'll tell her that she missed it. Uh, thank she you missed. very much for uh, taking the time, as always. Great to talk to you.
1: Anytime, Matt. Have a great day. All right.
0: All right, now, happy to be joined on the phone from the – New York Times. Jonathan Martin, uh, w- one of the leading political reporters in the country, takes the time to come on the Matt Jones podc- podcast. Jonathan, uh, how are you, sir?
2: Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good, man.
0: Always, always glad to do it. All right, so you tell me if I'm right or wrong here. I After the Democratic convention, I thought, well, Hillary Clinton is going to win the race. It's just a matter of right. how much. And since right. then, it seems that she's still ahead, but it is slowly yep. getting tighter and tighter. Am I reading it correctly?
2: Yeah, I think a couple of things are true. I think first of all, she's definitely still the front runner. I think second of all, you know, because the country is as divided as it is politically, this was never going to be a blowout race in terms of the popular vote. You know, forty-nine to one. You know, Reagan versus Mondale landslide. It just don't happen in this country anymore because we're pretty dug in our uh, our trenches. Um, and thirdly, um, Matt, I do think the race has gotten closer um, uh, in part because, you know, Trump stopped the bleeding. I mean, so much of her advantage in the weeks after the conventions were because she had a better convention than him and that he just committed, you know, self-inflicted error. <laughs> after self-inflicted air, and um, that really got him in a hole and maybe sort of made the race seem a little bit more um, of a blowout than it was actually ever going to be. It was always going to be a relatively competitive race, um, and I think that we're, we're now seeing that. And, of course, she's had some problems in, in recent days to you know, exacerbate that fact. But um, uh, if you look at the map right now, Matt <clears> – <throat> It's competitive, but you still have to give her advantage when it comes to just the, the fact of who has the better shot to get 270. All right,
0: so tell me if I'm right in that regard. If she wins Virginia and Colorado, and you, which it, I think it looks like she will by a decent margin, then as I read the map, as long as she wins Pennsylvania and New Hampshire, both states she has a pretty good lead in, Right. he can't win, correct? Right, yes. Yes. So really, like to me, don't you just look at Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire, and really that's it? Like, it, isn't that all that matters yeah, I mean, right a, now?
2: I mean, I, I mean, assuming that that she holds Florida and
0: Virginia, right? No, but she doesn't have to have Florida in my count. Like, if she wins, well, you got to have Virginia. She has to have Virginia, have Virginia. Colorado, Colorado, uh, and if she has that, then it looks to me like. Assuming she holds Michigan and Wisconsin, which some people say have gotten closer, but assuming she holds those, it looks to me like Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, she wins and she could lose Florida and Ohio.
2: Yeah. She definitely has more leeway in terms of the 270. <clears throat> um, and that's just because Democrats have an advantage structurally, right? Yes. They they dominate on the coast and have had a sort of hammer lock on most of the Great Lakes states since uh, 1988. Um, so, yeah, she definitely has more leeway. And the the challenge Trump has is, is that, you know, like uh, Romney four years ago, he just can't afford to lose anything. And it, it, the, the sort of, um, you know, uh, onus is, is just so much more difficult for a Republican given how the map is laid out. And Trump has put a lot of time in, in Pennsylvania. He was there the other night, you know, doing his um, proposal about uh, 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 child care. And um, I think you're going to see him in that state a lot. The challenge he has there, Matt, is that he's going to win over a lot of sort of Reagan Democrats, you know, blue-collar white voters, um, but he's going to lose a lot of moderate, college-educated voters uh, in and around Philadelphia, and that's sort of his problem writ large. Is that for for every vote that he picks up among. Uh, You know, a working class, you you know, Democrat, he loses a couple among folks who are either, you know, GOP leading independents or even Republicans.
0: It looks to me like, okay. so after Democratic convention, he screws up, he does the con thing, et cetera. And then he brings on the head of Breitbart and Kellyanne Conway. And a lot of people mocked that and thought, look at these crazy people he's bringing on. But am I wrong to say that they've made his campaign better?
2: Um, I think they have definitely gotten him on a teleprompter, um, and that has changed the, the sort of nature of the campaign. Look, so many of his problems, Matt, were attributed to him speaking off the cuff either at a rally or in an interview. Well, two things have happened. They have severely limited his his interview time to you know select outlets and reporters you know you know gone are the days of him appearing on every sunday show and taking all comers secondly at pretty much every event now he is reading from a teleprompter yeah. and so he can't get himself in the trouble like he was previously when he was speaking extemporaneously and you have to give some credit to the, the new regime for forcing that on him but frankly, he also was willing to do it. I mean, I think he was embarrassed late August by where the polls were going. He clearly recognized he was going to lose and lose badly if he didn't sort of accede to some kind of changes.
0: Yeah, and then that, that's, that that makes sense to me. So, so Hillary, the thing. Every time I ask a Trump person why they're for Trump, usually they just talk about how much they dislike Hillary. She of course has not had a very good couple of weeks um do you think any of this stuff emails sickness leaks whatever do you think any of that sticks with her and matters or does it only matter to the people who hate her anyway
2: it's a great question uh it definitely um uh reinforces those who don't like her uh and we're not gonna vote for her in the first place and i think that that has been a um uh, part of the reason why her negatives are so high. There's just a lot of people who don't like her and this reinforces that. Um I, I'm curious to see some polling um here soon about the the question of, of, of illness and her and her health. Um we kinda know how the email list play. I'm not so sure about this health question. Um, you know, it seems like that's unclear. that video on Sunday which I'm sure you've seen oh, yeah I saw it I'd be curious as to how many folks that, that you've talked to have seen that I get the sense Matt that that kind of penetrated well beyond the political world that, that you know that really reached um, you know the sort of rank and file voter but you tell me
0: I, I think it did I mean I think people saw it I but you know it's interesting because I wonder how that cuts I mean if she, does does just because if you're somebody's worried about Hillary, and she might be sick, does that make you vote for Trump? Or does it make you say, well, if she doesn't, if it ends up her health makes her have to not do the thing, I don't mind Tim Kaine. I mean, like, I don't really know how that yeah. plays out, you know, Jonathan. I mean, right. I'm not sure. And I agree with you. I'd like to see some numbers. I mean, I, I wonder if the next polls <laughs> will probably be this weekend that actually encompass yeah. what happened. I'd yeah, be interested. I exactly. think Trump will be – it wouldn't shock me, Jonathan, if Trump's ahead in the polls soon.
2: Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's possible that, uh, that he would get a little bounce. Um, uh, you know, I literally just saw a Clinton person here in D.C., and look, you know, this person conceded that it's not been a good stretch; that this has been difficult. What gives them some hope is that we are about to start three debates. Yes, between these two candidates, and if you think about what happened when Trump was on with Matt Lauer on that NBC special. For just 25 minutes, I mean, he said a handful of things that uh, could really damage him politically, and that was under relatively you know, gentle questioning. Think about an hour and a half, a debate where she's standing there, and he's facing tougher questions from a moderator three times. So again, I come back to the issue of Trump has been able to sort of stabilize by going on a teleprompter and avoiding you know, most interviews. Um, you know, but what happens when he's off the teleprompter and, and when he's faced with, you know, three debates here well, in a row? I, I'm with you on debate. the debates.
0: I'm with you on the debates, and I want to get to those. But, but I want you, the Matt Lauer thing is interesting to me because he said a lot of stuff that had it been anyone else, people would have gone, yeah. what? But I just wonder, right. honestly, Jonathan, if anything sticks to him. He's almost gotten into a place where everyone will acknowledge he's bizarre. And you're either right. cool with that or you're not. Like, it's like he can't well, be any more bizarre.
2: Well, it has stuck with him because he's the most unpopular major party nominee in American history. Fair so. point.
0: Fair point. But, I mean, it, I mean, hasn't, it doesn't it's change. It's
2: stuck to him. I'm not sure if it um, changes
0: anybody's mind, though, that has already decided to vote for him.
2: Oh, sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah, look, partisan politics has become, you know, concrete, man. If you... Don't like her, and you want to vote for a Republican. You're going to rationalize voting for him. True. That's very if true. If you don't like if you don't like him, and you like her, um, then it doesn't matter what you know she says or does or the emails or anything else. You know, you're going to find a way to be, be, be before her and to sort of rationalize that. And um, you know, that's the, the sort of nature of politics today.
0: Hate to interrupt this political talk, but it's time to tell you about Blue Apron. As you know, Blue Apron is a great way for you to cook at your house. We've been doing it for a long time. I get the boxes to my house, and it is absolutely excellent. Blue Apron will ship you exactly what you need to make a great recipe. So, for instance, paprika, spice shrimp, and cheddar grits are part of the September menu. Maybe eggplant and chickpea tagine. Somebody's got to tell me how to pronounce that. Noodle salad, chicken stir fry. It's all there, and they'll send you everything you need to do so you and another person, you can make it. It's a good date thing. For me, it makes two dinners, so I can make it and eat it two nights straight. I'm telling you, it's great, and the ingredients are top of the line. This is not just food in a box. This is top of the line ingredients, fresh, farm to you, right from BlueApron.com. Here's what you do, BlueApron.com slash KSR. It's BlueApron.com slash KSR, go check it out, enjoy it. I promise you, Blue Apron is the best way to cook. It's blueapron.com, slash KSR. Go do it, support the podcast, support your health, and eat really, really good food. So here's my read, and you tell me if this is stupid. I look at Donald Trump, and even in the best polls for him, he always is stuck at 40%. And really, Hillary Clinton's numbers the lead that she has fluctuates on where she is, 47, 42, 43, whatever. Isn't this race from here on about Hillary trying to get her people to A, show up and B, not vote for Gary Johnson?
2: Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean – Politics has changed, and this sort of gets to what we're talking about in terms of folks being just dug into their trenches. Politics has changed, Matt, from a, a game of persuasion to a game of mobilization. Yeah. You know, there was once a time in Kentucky, for example, where, you know, both candidates, D and R, for president would come in and try to convince voters uh, who were up for grabs to vote for them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is not ancient history. This is called the 1990s. Yeah, New Clinton era. won
0: here both times.
2: Yeah. He won both times. Now he didn't get fifty, but he won, and that was in the year of persuasion. There was a a you know uh, up for grab up for grabs contingent of voters, largely in the middle, and that's that was the sort of prize. That was the golden ticket in politics: winning over centrist voters. Nowadays, it's much more a matter of can you get your people out. It's not persuading the folks on the fence. It's just mobilizing people who are inclined to support you, but may or may not vote. And that's what so much of Hillary's campaign is about. They know who is likely to vote for her. It's just a matter of getting them out. And yes, there are some folks that don't like her, but that can't stand Trump, who right now in polls are probably sitting on Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, because for them, it's a it's a place where they can be right now. That's not for her, but sure as heck isn't for him. And your, your point's well taken, you know, if this is seen as more of a closed race, can those voters not afford the luxury yeah. of being for a third party candidate?
0: Yeah, that's what I wonder. I think that's a great way to put it, is in the end, those Bernie hangers on and right. the people who are moderate Lord, Republicans now,
2: kids, yeah. Yeah,
0: who don't like Trump can they eventually go, you know what, I don't want to be responsible for electing him. Isn't that real? And I think her convention did that well, and then all her screw-ups maybe have lost those people. Could that be right?
2: Yeah, there's some of that. Of Folks are saying, well, I'm not so sure I can stomach this now, and I think I'll just sort of sit on undecided or sit on Gary Johnson for a while. They also say – Most times. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, as you know, most times – what a third-party candidate is getting in the polls is typically, you know, well above what they ultimately get on election day from from, from actual voters. Um, that might depend this time around on whether or not Johnson gets in these debates. I mean, he's not in the debates. It's hard to see him doing all that well. If he can get in the debates, then you can see him hitting ten percent.
0: Yeah. It's, what what is the situation with that? Does he have any chance of getting in?
2: It's very unlikely right now. Yeah.
0: People say to me that that follow it more than I do that. Like her, what they call "quote unquote" ground game in these states and getting people to vote is going is really strong, like Obama's was, and Mitt Romney had a good one, but not a great one, and that Trump has yeah. none. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Very little, very little. She has a sophisticated, you know, twenty-first century campaign organization. Trump is mostly a sort of, you know. Twitter and rallies and, uh, or in media, you know, she, she's on TV a lot. You know?
0: Will that matter on election day?
2: It matters at the margins. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that could sure be what does. puts her like the person who made that argument to me was a political consultant and said, Matt, for Trump to win, he needs to be up two or three in the polls because he's going to yeah. lose that on election.
2: Yeah. day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he has got to be able to rely on sort of folks coming out organically. Um, and, you know, there's a, plenty of folks who will do that. But she has got an operation to identify and mobilize her voters. And th- that's the whole game, Matt. Um, can those folks get out? I mean, do the Obama voters get out? You know, that's the big question. I did a story uh, about 10 days ago about younger African American voters who are Obama yeah. voters who don't like Trump. But don't like her. But they're just not that fired up about her, yeah. Yeah. And can she get those kind of voters out? You know, can Obama, can President Obama, can Michelle Obama, can they, you know, really put their legacy on the line and, and, you know, try to mobilize their supporters? That's an open question. All right, let
0: me tell you what worries me as a person who can't stand the thought of Trump winning, but also tries to study this. I look at last year's governor's race here in Kentucky, where going into it, Everyone just assumed Jack Conway was going to win, and no yeah. one really liked him. Like no one. Yeah. But they thought, well, Matt Bevin's crazy. We're not. They're not going. We're not going to like Matt Bevin. you know what? I don't have to show up. And then Matt Bevin only won. He won by a lot because his people were committed to coming out. It makes me wonder: could that play out nationally in this?
2: Yeah, it's possible. Although I think Hillary Clinton's got a more sophisticated campaign than Jack Conway did.
0: Probably true. Um, yeah, that's probably true. And there's
2: more on the line here, too. And that's the thing. Um, you know, a presidential election is a different story than an off-year-gov off, off of your dove race. Um, um, but there's no question that people are fired up about Trump. If you like Trump, there's a lot of energy out there. Um, and, you know, there's no question. You drive around, you see lawn signs, he's got more energy. But you can't entirely base what's going to happen in a campaign. On you know how many lawn signs are out yeah, there? Yeah, Peggy Noonan uh, did
0: that in the Romney race,
2: right? He can't she, do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it may it may matter as far as who's got energy, but here's the thing: a dissatisfied, foot dragging, hold your nose vote, Matt, it counts just the same as a fired up, ready to go vote.
0: Last question, because I know you got something to do, you got stuff to do. <laughs> but if Trump were to win what does a Trump presidency look like? Like, is it everyone that doesn't like him's worst fear? Or do you think he would just end up being a relatively normal president just with a really weird personality?
2: The answer you don't want to hear but its the truth. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows um, uh, how he would govern. Look, uh, he's wanted this for a long time. I don't know if he- ever thought it was actually realistic <laughs> yeah, probably and so not. I mean, i'm just not sure what it would look like i think he would have folks around him that that would try to sort of keep the trans you know on time and um you know would be fairly conventional political figures but he's somebody who has always done things his way so it's hard to read it's really hard to read. And that's kind of a dodge, and I apologize about that. No. Who the that's, heck knows,
0: man? Hey, the answer is what it is. Jonathan Martin, New York Times. It's always very nice of you. How many
2: more days till hoops starts? All right, so
0: you're a big college football basketball fan. Our first game is at the end days? of October, and it's 30 – well, we're 31 days till Big Blue Madness. Wow.
2: Can you believe it? Only a month
0: away. it's going to be good, Jonathan. Let me just tell you.
2: I mean, I know you uh, – Kansas at home in January? Yeah, you, you,
0: why don't you schedule that one? It's not if if, well, exactly. if that's not inauguration weekend, you gotta you gotta yeah, come to right. that one. Kentucky, this is a good year because the good programs this year, Jonathan, are all going to be good. Kentucky, yeah, no, it's going to be a Duke, year. Kansas, and Carolina are all good. So it's one of those years.
2: And UVA, you know, you know, my team, uh, watch out, I'm telling you. You and UVA, you, you,
0: you last year was UVA's year. Did, don't you feel like you yeah, let that one go? Me.
2: Don't remind me <laughs> too soon as they say too soon.
0: All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it.
2: See you, man. Bye. All right. All
0: right. So there you go. Thanks to, uh, to Jonathan Martin for taking the time to do that. It is very nice of a New York times reporter to, uh, to join us. I want to tell you real quick, a few things, you know, site wise and, and KSR wise that we haven't gotten to, to talk about as, as I have for a long time, been not allowed to talk about my upcoming television show on, uh, my radio show, which to me is really silly. Hopefully that's going to change here very soon. We'll see. But as part of that, I wanted to take a second just to tell you a little bit about it. So I'm going to have a nightly show at seven 30 every night, starting September 26th on LEX 18 in Lexington. For those of you that don't live in the viewing area, it will be online. I'm not sure if it's going to stream live online or they're going to put it on repeat online but people will be able to watch it online and i'm excited about it it's going to be myself and a co-host and that co-host will rotate every day every day a different co-host and we'll be doing sort of a pti style debate it's going to be the debate show um there'll be some regular people my hope is to have tony vanetti on it mary joe perino uh let's see Jared Lorenzen, Kyle Tucker's probably going to be on it. Steve Romine's, just a lot of folks you know, and then some people you'd be surprised that we're going to book and uh, see what happens. So, I'm really excited about it. I've been working quite a bit on it. I'm sitting in the studio with the green screen right now with it on. Part of what I wanted to talk about it though is this show is in part about finding talent. We want to find people who can do interesting stuff, and one of the things we want to do. If you've watched The Daily Show, you know they'll have sort of segments, uh, correspondents, reporters that go out and do things out in the field, and especially funny, creative stuff. And we would love to have some new talent who, is on, who can be on television here in the area. So if you're somebody who thinks, I could do that. If you're a college student, we're going to have some interns that will also be on air. Um, we'd love to have you try out. So the, here's the way to do that. There's a Facebook page, the show's called Hey Kentucky, like Hey Hunters, and send a video of you and a friend debating sports, news, politics, whatever, and if we see some talent, we'll bring you in and give you a shot, and we'll try out. We've got a couple people actually coming in here this afternoon to to try out with us, and we're excited about it, so... I really want to encourage people to do that. I mean, this is a chance. This television show is on NBC. This isn't like just some rinky-dink TV show. This is on NBC, and you got this is a chance people ask me all the time about getting involved. This is how we do it. And if you know someone in college or just out of college who you think would have an interest in this, let them know and get them to try out. Again, it's the Hey Kentucky uh, Facebook page it's right there on Facebook send us a video and uh, we'll see if you have potential and maybe you can maybe you can get to do it also let me say before I let you go that we uh, are hopefully over the next few weeks going to be doing a new unique basketball thing with this podcast where we have a couple people who sort of come on throughout the year to talk about Kentucky basketball a regular cast of characters to allow every podcast You know, a five or ten-minute UK basketball update. So, uh, hopefully, that will be good as well. So, thank you, folks, very much. We'll check in with you. I should have a new episode hopefully by the end of the week.